Hello and welcome to this edition of the Modern Times Podcast. John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hi, Karen. Hello, John, and hi, everybody out there. Today, you're joining Karen and I for a special five points, and this time we're doing five points on the 2018 congressional political landscape, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, Karen, you ready to jump in with point number five? I think so. Point number five from John and Karen is that the Democrats um, will likely recapture the House. It's looking more and more like a reality, um, especially with all the numerous GOP departures. Uh, Who do you think Mm -hmm. is the most vulnerable that's staying? Or who do you think is most notable for bowing out in the House? Well, I'll start with most vulnerable. And I I think there are several choices here. Uh, Peter Roscombe, the Republican from Illinois, uh, I think he's definitely vulnerable. That The district he's in, from what I'm reading, is trending blue. There's also quite a few in California, the state where I live. Uh, we, we And we just had, and I'll, I'll jump to the other thing you said for just a moment, because that does factor in heavily here. Daryl Issa, uh, who represents part of San Diego County, had been the most vulnerable congressman. Back in 2016, he just he won by about 1,000 votes. He's extremely unpopular. Uh, and there was, it was almost even odds that he was going to lose to about, there are four Democrats who are seeking that seat right now. The one he lost to, Michael Applegate, is going to run again. Uh, there's also one by the last name of Levin who might be a strong contender as well. And I don't think he had any Republican challengers, but ISA had been in a lot of trouble for a long time. He had been the most vulnerable. Um, but it's looking now like you might see any number of California Republicans from Steve Knight to, of course, Devin Nunez, whose name we all know now uh, for some odious reasons. Um, <laughs> and uh, he they're vulnerable. There's Mimi Walters of California. And the people I'm mentioning all voted for this tax bill, which is not going down well in this state. A lot of Californians are very angry about it. So these uh-huh. guys are not only going to have to defend the fact that there's just a democratic way building in their districts, they're also going to have to defend their vote, which is going to screw over an awful lot of people in California. It sure is. So it, it's, it's and why it's precisely, Karen? For you know, for maybe some of those that don't know, it's uh, um, you know the biggest reason why it's going to hurt Californians is property tax. Is that absolutely? And I, you know, I say from a personal level, you know, my husband and I are going to be affected by this. Uh, and of course, we're not the only ones. There's millions of other you know, hardworking, tax-paying citizens of this state who, you know, certainly don't deserve to be, you know, but we all know what this, this whole thing was about. It was to punish blue states, basically. And, I, you know, the GOP, I mean, I think they made a Boston bargain here because they're going to get hurt this year. Um, so I think between ISA and then Ed Royce, who, who just left uh, his, his district, the 39th, which is Orange County, and this is a guy a few years ago that nobody in their right mind would have said could lose, but... He, he looked at the numbers and saw they weren't in his favor. Uh, Hillary Clinton carried his district. So there are also vulnerable Republicans in Florida uh, with with uh, Carlos Cubuelo, who is, to his credit, has been more critical of Trump, and, but may find himself on the defense. Even, believe it or not, in Salt Lake County in Utah, Democrats are starting to say, you know, it's possible maybe we could win this seat. Um, shockingly enough, I, I, I think they're odds are pretty slim, but you never know, depending on, on, on turnout. So the uh, the congressman there, McAdams, uh, is 
I'm sorry. I think I'm screwing that up. My apologies. <laughs> he's he's running uh, for the seat. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens here with that. Sorry, I sort of botched that one. My apologies oh, to happens. our listeners for that. There's just so many of these races. It's really hard to keep track sometimes. It is. I think Virginia, you have Barbara Comstock, who's been fairly good Trump defender. She might be in a lot of trouble here. There might be con congressmen in New York, like Peter King, who might be facing a much tougher race than previously thought. Um, I, you know, there, there may be John Culberson, a Republican from Texas, who reportedly is kind of slow to really get his campaign going. And again, I know most of these Texas districts next to impossible, but I think we all saw from 2016, assuming you know how things are going to turn out based on polls, not a good idea anymore. Right. Um, so, you know, there are a few Democratic seats who might, you know, certainly might be vulnerable. Uh, Representative Rick Nolan of Minnesota, you know, sort of had tough races in his last three elections. Mm -hmm. He may have uh, a probably, you know, a problem as well as Representative Matt Cartwright. Um, given, especially in Pennsylvania, that's where Cartwright's from. That that state went to Trump, although not by very much. But I, I think in general, if you're looking at all kinds of political reports, like the Cook one or 538, and, and again, these percentages, they differ quite a bit. Anywhere from they give Democrats about a 60% chance of retaking the House to sometimes even a 70 Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, still pretty astonishing numbers, but it's all going to, point, you know, turn out it's going to have to come down to that. And, and frankly, the Democrats will have to have strong themes. As, as disliked as Donald Trump is, as unpopular as he is, and there's no question that he's going to be a factor, I think, for a lot of people voting. I think the sentiment is Trump needs to be held accountable, mm -hmm. maybe even impeached and removed from office, although that's still a long shot. Uh, and and the, the the thought is with most people, you need to have a Democratic Congress to start doing that. All right. Now, so I, I think, honestly, the Democrats play their cards right. And, of course, we know this is a party that has, in the past, shown itself to be incompetent when it comes to campaigning. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I see a scenario much like 2006, where you had George W. Bush had just won re-election in 2004. We all know the following year was not a good one for him. Between the Iraq war starting to, to fall apart, Hurricane Katrina, the mismanagement of that, the scandals with Karl Rove, and you saw Republicans, you know, sort of doing their circular circling of the wagons and passing ridiculous laws. For example, I remember one where they passed that Tom DeLay, the former majority whip, could not be prosecuted for any crimes. You, you just got the sense that that, uh, that kind of arrogance was not going to be rewarded in 2006, and it was not. As we know that's the year that Republicans lost control of both the House and the Senate, which a few years ago people would have laughed at. So I'm, you know, and given, unfortunately, how so many Republicans are standing by Donald Trump, when, uh, for reasons that just sometimes defy all sanity or all reality, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of voters going to the polls wanting that to change. So, uh, you know, uh, again, long way to November, but I, I will say I think their chances of retaking the House are looking much more strong. Yeah. Um, the last little bit before we move on to our next point, um, there was in uh, a piece that a guy named Mike Allen from Axios did. And one of his... One of his, you know set of bullet points is 
that uh, some of the you know bad kind of omens that are being set by the GOP is that eight House GOP chairs have retired. Um, there's there's 29 GOP seats that are open. Um, Democrats are outperforming norms and turnout total votes in all seven 2017 elections. Um, and there's a record number of Democratic women voting and considering running for office. Um, and then in polls, voters prefer Democrats for Congress by a 10 point margin, um, which basically, wow. you know, in uh, it, most of these areas, it's very tight. Um, but, you know, we're talking about, you know, Congress, especially congressional districts. We all know that they're gerrymandered. Um, but there's still a possibility of, 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 of pulling these through as long as you have a 10 point margin. Most of them aren't gerrymandered that bad. They're gerrymandered right in that 10 point range between five to 10 or else they wouldn't they wouldn't pass DOJ. Um, so, you know, I, I agree with you. It's 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 ripe. There's unless unless there's a, a big change that we can't see yet. Um, it looks like there's going to be a turnover in the House for sure. Let's move on to the Senate, and I'll start. And one of the things that I want to throw at, uh, back is one of the, we, you know, we talked about some of these states that are really kind of vulnerable, Arizona being one of them where mo- modern times than I am are, I'm at. Um, but it's the Senate um, uh, seat here um, that, that Jeff Flake decided not to run for. Um, there is a Democratic candidate, uh, uh, the, her name just, uh, you know, uh, Kirsten Cinema, that's right, of course. Yeah. Um, and but she's then leaving a congressional race, which then becomes up for grabs. I mean, she had, um, you know, the traction. She had uh, the right backing. She had the right grassroots support. So she was able to kind of fend off and take that really up for grabs district here, uh, District Nine, the one that I actually vote in. Um, mm-hmm. But she held that seat. So now that's up for grabs in Congress this time. I think without her there. Um, but then she's the front runner for sure to take the Senate back, which is our next um, you know, point in our five points here, which is the Senate um, still could be, um, you know, could could switch over. And it's maybe even more likely now that there will be both houses of Congress will be in Democratic control come um, in uh, 2019. Um, and so, you know, that's one that I think, you know, kind of plays both ways. It, it, it kind of diminishes Democratic hopes in the House, but it 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 you know gets them closer to that fifty to fifty one vote um, majority that they can have um, in the Senate. Um, how do you feeling about the Senate races? Especially, I think you also have one in Nevada, right? Well, right. It's interesting. Dean Heller, who was first elected, well, he was appointed in two thousand, I believe two thousand ten or eleven to replace John Ensign, who resigned to a sex scandal. It seems like such such change in history now. <laughs> Uh, he easily won an election in 2012, and, and if you would have asked me two years ago who I thought was going to win, say Dean Heller, hands down. Well, a lot has changed since then. Dean Heller's approval ratings, and they may have gone up since I last checked them, they were hovering around 18%. He's got a big problem. He's got a problem that the fact that a lot of Republicans really don't like him because he actually did and has worked with Democrats in the past on certain laws, such as an anti-discrimination act, but he's also got a lot of Democratic opposition. And of course, his kind of siding up to Donald Trump has not helped him. Clinton carried that state, not by a whole lot, but there's just not a whole lot of support for Donald Trump in Nevada. So, you know, you got to wonder what this guy's doing. And I suspect what it is, is, you know, he's got to win the primary and he does have a challenger, Danny Tarkanian. That last name sounds familiar. Of course, he is the son of the late, great Jerry Tarkanian, the... (laughs) 
running Rebels basketball coach Go that Rebs. coached the team to a 1990 win in the NCAA. Uh, his mother, Lois Tartanian, had been a school board official for a long time. Uh, Tartanian, I, I think, uh, could win the primary, although here's what's going to happen in the general. If I had to make a prediction, Jackie Rosen, a Democrat who's also a House of Representatives member, is running for that seat. She's running a pretty strong campaign right now, and I think that there's a very solid chance she could take that, especially if Heller loses the primary. And there's, you know, Vegas, you know, I'm from Vegas, we know about odds, and there's about even odds right now that Heller's not going to win. So it's, it's, that's going to be a very interesting race to watch. Um, I think between that, Arizona, I think the California Senate race is, I, I'm not even sure how much that's worth talking about. Diane Frank signs up for re-election. You know, there are a lot of people that have mixed feelings on her, although she recently made news for releasing the steel RCA. Um, and she does have a Democratic challenger, but I, I suspect she's going to sail onto another term. Um, but I think between Arizona, Nevada, and believe it or not out there, folks, Texas might actually be in play. Ted Cruz is up for re-election. His approval ratings have sort of hovered around 50%. But there are a lot of people in Texas, if you, you know, from what you read, who really don't like him very much. There's a Democratic challenger named Beto O'Rourke, who's also a congressman. He's from the El Paso area. He may be somebody who could be Cruz. Now, depending on turnout and you know, what kind of campaign he runs. This, and that, again, Ted Cruz is somebody a few years ago you would have thought, you know, nobody would, wouldn't even have a challenger. So some interesting things, I think, are happening in that state. Now, of course, the bigger story, and I know we'll hear a lot about this, the Democrats do have to defend about 26 seats. And some of those are in very red states uh, right. that Trump won by pretty big numbers. Uh, states like West Virginia with Joe Manchin. Then you have Heidi Heidkamp, and I believe she's North Dakota. I've got that wrong. I'm sorry. Um, and there are a few others. And, and interestingly enough, some, there's talk sometimes Elizabeth Warren might have a harder time getting reelected re in Massachusetts, although I, I, I haven't heard that she has any real serious opponent. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely, you know, the Democrats are going to have to have, I think, a very strong campaign message to defend that many seats. Um, but it's, it's just another interesting observation I have you know, so far, in terms of getting Democratic support from those red states, from Democratic senators like Manchin and Heitkamp, yeah, it hasn't been there. They have not been voting with Trump, which you have to wonder, do they feel they don't have anything to worry about? Because Trump is, is so generally unpopular that it, it's not really a problem for them. I mean, I think that's a very interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. I also think just Trump's general troubles are another reason why you're, they're not, you can't win over any Democratic senators on much of anything. Yep. Um, but I, I, I think the Democrats' chances of taking the Senate are still pretty tough. Yep. But if there is, and then of course we didn't mention John McCain. We don't know what's going to happen with him. You know, he's in the fight for his life right now, obviously. Um, there is some speculation, and it's just speculation that he may not finish out his term, and I'm not talking about him dying. I'm just saying he just may want to retire uh, this year. So there could be two seats up for re-election in, in 2018 in your state. Or the governor, I suppose, could appoint somebody. Um, another thing, John, and I don't, want, don't know what your thoughts are, and Martha McSally is now running. 
you know, she's declared herself as a candidate along with Joe Arpaio in the Republican column. I'm, I'm wondering if you, who you think would prevail in the primary election between those two. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a bloodbath in the Republican primary mm. here. And I think trying to predict that right now, I, I, I think that Joe Arpaio goes down in flames, unfortunately for him. I'm, you know, I mean, you know, as, 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 as confounding as he always has been, um, you know, he should have just taken his ride off into the sunset. And, um, I don't, you know, I saw a bit of him, um, being interviewed on MSNBC and God knows why he even accepted um, the invite, but, um, he didn't look too good. You know, he's near an 80 anyway. Um, you know, if this would have happened to him 10, 15 years ago, I, I say he's got a chance, but you know, he lost here in Maricopa County. And if, you know, those people are not going to vote for him again. Um, but he's not also, he's also not one to shy away from, uh, the battle. And, um, it's going to be interesting because I still think he's, he, you know, like Trump, he has a, you know, a, a 30% um, of the electorate that will always vote for him. And that's what he got here um, in, in, in Maricopa County when he lost the last sheriff's race. He got the hardcore people that no matter what he did in the street, you know, like uh, Trump said, I could murder somebody in Fifth Avenue and still win. Um, it's kind of that stuff with Joe Arpaio, you know, I mean, they share that base. And um, so that's why I think he stays until he might, win with that amount as long as McSally and um, Chemtrail, Kelly Ward are all there when the primary election comes. Um, oh, that's right. Her too. I forgot about her for a moment. You know, if that ends up, you know, being what happens, then you have a situation where, you know, 30% can win you um, the Republican nomination. Um, and so you never know. It, and But where he drops down outside of Maricopa County, it's just kind of up in the air for, you know, Arpaio's, um, you, know, you know, political history was all done within Maricopa County, and now he's stretching out for the first time, um, you know, to other regions. And, um, you know, I guess like everything else, I guess we could talk about it. At, you know, we kind of have this on our schedule for another point, maybe. Uh, we can obviously talk about it now, but it's also the energy of the electorate and whether there's a lot of uh, Latino voters who come out, that's probably dooms him in a general election no matter what, but I think he's doomed generally. In, in a general election, but in, in the... Uh, yeah, uh, I agree. I think if it's him and Cinema, Cinema wins. Uh, I know, I will say, I think if it is McSally, she's going to be a much stronger candidate. And I, you know, I think may, she may go ahead and win that. Yeah, you know, party, I, I... Depending I, on the kind of campaign she runs, although she... I know she's taken a little heat for sort of being wobbly about Trump and, and being asked to defend him. So that, that could hurt her. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a, you know, it's a possibility um, that... Um, you know, McSally gives cinema a run, but you know, the way that it's shaping up to me right now, um, unless something, you know, happens to cinema, um, where something else comes out that, that hasn't already been publicly known, um, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, the, you know, the fact that she's, uh, you know, the first bisexual, you know, Congress person open, um, you know, kind of ran out like that is a factor that you don't know whether somebody's going to try to, you know, you know, pick it up in the general election. I don't think it hurts her even if they do. She's kind of squeaky clean other than that. She, you know, kind of left, you know, hardcore Mormonist life. Uh, so she's, you know, she's, she's just a winner at the ballot box. I mean, she's, you know, she, she's, she's educated, she's smart. Um, you know, she's, uh, attractive on television and when she speaks i think people like to look at her you know there's a big thing in politics 
you know, people have to kind of get a feeling that they'd be comfortable with them. So their appearance, no, you know, has a big, yeah. you know, a big part to do with it. You know, I think she plays well. It'll probably be a, you know, televised debate. Usually there is for, for your own, for Senate elections. I think she'll win that just because she's, she's just better at kind of delivering those things. I've seen McSally speak. I just don't think it's there. And Arpaio obviously is just a kind of, he'll look like a really old man next to, you know, Kirsten Cinema, um, you know, with no energy and kind of crazy. Um, but, you know, it, it is going to be interesting. Or, you know, for some of the information you gave up, um, there's 34 seats total up. 26 are held right. by Democrats, like you said. Um, they're going to have to carry all those and then pick up more. Um, so, you know, yeah. it's... It's, yeah, and I think it, it, for sure it comes down for the Democrats to Nevada, Arizona, and maybe Texas. If if they manage to win that one, that that's going to you know that's going to give them the majority they need. But yeah, because even if they so flip it's Arizona, a long way, as we know to Senate, you know to to the twenty eighteen election. Uh, I mean, I'll just give a perfect example quickly to end this. Way back in two thousand four. Uh, in the Illinois race for U.S. Senator, there was a young man named Barack Obama who was going to run, and he was supposedly going to face a very Republican, popular Republican opponent named Jack Ryan. Perfect name from a Clancy novel, right? right. Who's married to the actress Jerry Ryan. There oh, was yeah. a sex scandal that uh -huh. basically destroyed Ryan's campaign. Obama ended up running against Alan Keyes, who by all accounts is considered a crackpot, as a Republican candidate, beat him by... 50-something points, and as we know, the rest is history. You just, you never know. Yeah, you know, you 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 never do. But, you know, like we had mentioned before, I think, you know, if you talk about all the toss-up states, even if they go um, uh, to um, to Democrats, all the toss-up states, which is Nevada, um, you, know, the, you know, the seats that they kind of hold in, in areas that can go up or down, you know, Florida, West Virginia, Ohio, um, Montana, even, um, you know, oh, there's that's right. John Tester's up for re-election. Yeah. Well. And even if you go there, that's, that still just gives you, um, that, you know, that gives you 51 if you take both in, in, in Minnesota, um, that, you know, that gives the Democrats 51. Right. Um, but you know. That by itself is 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 still going to be tough to pull off unless the uh, you know the, the the energy just doesn't completely favor Democrats. I mean, you talk about that. That's that's kind of a landslide. And then they would, you know, if you can if you can flip Texas, if you can flip Utah, um, you know, I mean, Phil Berdison, if I'm if I'm butchering that, the former Tennessee governor is 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 the Democratic nominee for Senate so far. Um, and there's 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 no one run, you know running on the Republican side. You'd have to think he might be, um, you know, somewhat of a strong candidate. Um, at, you know, then you can get into the fifty two territory, or you can maybe lose one of these toss up states. But you know, it is going to be very hard. I think for you know, unless there's a complete and total utter landslide that the Democrats can take the Senate. Not to say it can't be done, as you right. just mentioned, but it still is going to be tough. No, it is. It's a very tough map for them. House is, a, you know, I'm sure the Democrats right now really like that House map a lot better than they do the Senate. So we'll see. Uh, you know, as we know, anything can happen. Uh, you have an unpopular president. You have some Republican candidates who just, as you've mentioned, who just don't really have the best formula right now. And some Democratic candidates who are exciting and interesting. 
So it, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. Okay. Um, moving on from point four about the Senate, uh, let's go to point three. Um, there's also some governor's races to watch. Uh, Wisconsin, right. Nevada, um, some others. Um, I think, you know, even New Mexico is probably going to have a switch. Um, you, there's a good bet. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about Nevada. Let's go there first. Well, but whoever gets the Democratic and, and Republican nom- nominations is going to be replacing Brian Sandoval, who is an extraordinarily popular governor, uh, served two terms. Uh, he won, even won a good chunk of Democratic votes back in 2014. He's known as a fairly moderate Republican governor who has not particularly embraced Donald Trump, although he hasn't totally run away from him either. Um, so the big shoes to fill in terms of finding somebody with that much appeal. Adam Laxalt, who's the attorney general of the state, his, just some trivia for people. His father was Paul Laxalt, a very well-regarded Republican senator from the 1980s. Um, he's running. He's. I, I think there's sort of mixed emotions on his campaign. He's not the most charismatic guy. Uh, he sort of had a rough tenure as attorney general. It's not gone all that well. He's going to be facing for Democratic nominees, Chris, and I have a problem with her last name, Gunchilani, uh-huh. who's been a county commissioner, uh, been in Democratic politics in Nevada for a long time, along possibly with Stick uh, Siegerblum, who might be running. Again, these are Nevada names. Um, I, I, I think right now the state is considered a toss-up. Uh, I, I think it's honestly going to come down to whoever has a tougher a tougher campaign or a better campaign. Uh, excuse me, the, the Democratic who's, who's running along with Christian Guccliani, sorry about that, folks, is Steve Sisolak, not uh-huh. to Cedar Bloom. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, I say Guccliani actually has a better chance of winning the primary. Um, her, she did run for mayor of Las Vegas once, didn't have a successful campaign. Uh, you know, I, I, that might be a tougher race for the Democrats to win, especially if, if Laxalt prevails. Sisolak might have a better chance of winning, um, but I think it's going to, for Nevada, it's going to come down to, you know, how strong the economy is. Another factor is going to be the candidate who, who has the best, you know, proposals about making sure a nuclear waste dump does not open in my home state. That is something that almost everybody, no matter where they sit on the political spectrum, is dead set against. Um, so, you know, but it, it, it could be Nevada goes blue in that regard again. And there hasn't been a Republican governor there for, oh gosh, 12, almost 12, uh, no, I'd say back to the 1990s. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think next in California where I live, I, I don't think there's any question that a Democrat wins that. Gavin Newsom is considered the absolute front runner. Uh, the closest component, I'm sorry, the closest challenger to he have would be the former mayor of Los Angeles, Antonio Villaraigosa, Villaraigosa. But I, I, almost every political analyst says that Newsom, this is Newsom's to lose. And he'll be replacing Jerry Brown, who, of course, we all know who he is. And he's, uh, he's on his way out. So, you know, California, I think it's, it, it's not going to be a great year for Republicans in California and certainly not for the Republican. I mean, certainly not for the governor's race. Yeah, and uh, even though they don't make uh, federal policy um, at all, we know how they do um, have the latitude, a lot of governors, to to, to do things that, that are kind of, you know, uh, federal programs, uh, Medicare expanding it, doing other things. So we know that there's, you know, obviously a lot um, that, that those governor races mean. 
Um, but like, as you had said, there's still a lot, um, that are up for grabs possibly. Um, and to really kind of change the way things are seen. I mean, Maine and New Mexico, Wisconsin, I guess is up even Arizona. Um, they're talking about, yeah. And incumbent, um, an incumbent governor, um, um, you know, leaving, um, or no, who's going to run again, but he might, he might actually lose. People are thinking just because he's just kind of, you know, he's not, he doesn't really, you know, get any kind of energy out. And with, we talked again about, or earlier about the Latino energy. Um, if there's Latino energy in the state, we have David Garcia, who's also got the backing of the teachers union. He's a, mm-hmm. um, he's an ASU professor. Um, he's, he's, he's an educator. So, you know, he, he can handle this. He ran for, uh, um, public instruction superintendent, um, a statewide office here, barely lost, um, you know, but it's, you know, potential if there's some energy there. Um, and if, um, like, I think we're going to talk in point four um, about, um, you know, what some of our wedge issues, but if there's if there's some real energy for maybe having, um, you know, the first uh, Latino governor here in a long, long time. Um, right. Um, has to be 40, 50 years. I mean, I'd have to, I'd have to look it up. Um, but, you know, there's, there's states in play all over the place. And, um, uh, it's definitely going to probably be driving energy, wouldn't you think? That's going to probably be the, yeah, the impact. I, well, I, I think more, more voters are becoming aware of why state elections matter. The reason we have so many Republicans who keep getting reelected, and, it, uh, and not to say Democrats have not been guilty of this in the past, they absolutely have, but because of gerrymandering. And slowly but surely, I think voters are starting to realize if you want to change that, you've got to change who's in the governor's house, You've got to change the state legislature. Uh, I, I think some other governor's races that will be interesting to watch are Maine with Paula Page, who's not the most pleasant person on earth. He's not running again, so there'll be a race to replace him. You have Michigan, Rick Snyder, very controversial governor, very unpopular one in Michigan. A lot of people vying for his seat. He's turned limited. Wisconsin, where we have Scott Walker, who at one time been considered presidential material. That didn't work out very well. He's going to run again. I, I think the odds are that he wins, but there, there's also, I, I think there are certain sect- sectors of that state that are very unhappy with him. Um, so I think those are some of the big races. And even Alabama could be an interesting one, given that we've seen things seem to be changing in that state. Kay mm-hmm. is going to be running. Uh, she, of course, uh, defended voting for Roy Moore. Huh. Yeah, you know, I'd say it's safe to say she's probably going to win, but you know, I suspect she's going to be asked questions about that. So I think those are some of the really big, you know, the races that could get people talking and, and following along with. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one of the things I think that there, you know, is also in play here is, um, you know, you do have some energy in some of these races where uh, governor's seats are, 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 are going along with Senate seats. Um, I yeah. think it's no, uh, Nevada, um, Ohio and Tennessee, I you know, kind of come mm-hmm. to mind um, because there's there's going to be. A governor's race and there's going to be a Senate race that are both going to have that kind of statewide energy. And, you know, right. if, and whoever's got the most energy and turnout in those states has a good chance of taking both. Correct. Um, going to be interesting. Um, uh, you know, I I think we both stayed up pretty late uh, in November of 2016, and I have a feeling the same thing is going to happen in 2018. <laughs> uh, I don't think you're wrong <laughs> at all. <laughs> uh, let's go to um, point two 
Um, almost down to number one. Now we're going um, in reverse order again for my craziness. Um, Karen approves this change. Um, well, but it's that wedge issues will likely not have as big of an impact on turnout, but it will still have an impact. Um, and the ones and some of the ones that we talked about were um, legalizing marijuana is still going to be one. Um, any sort of issues on probably sanctuary cities or things related to DACA. Um, and, you know, we just kind of talked about that as far as that stuff that can actually be on the ballot. But otherwise, um, you know, the, the just that discussion on where people stand with those two things besides, um, you know, if there's any potential... Um, I think sexual harassment claims in the past might come across and really hit candidates more than they did in the past where, um, you know, I don't think you could survive a race anymore with having allegations leveled against you like you used to be able to in the past. It was maybe 50-50 if you survived it, um, like, say, Bill Clinton um, or even Donald Trump. Um, but, but, but there was times where you lost it. Um, so uh, wedge issues, which ones do you like? I really think... Um, you know, I don't have to say, um, you know, the Me Too moment, whatever they're calling this now. Um, um, uh, you know, what's the new one? Time's up. Um, uh, those two things are probably going to be, I mean, that to me is going to be the biggest wedge issue, although it's not on the ballot. Stuff on the ballot, I think, is going to be marijuana. Yeah, I, I would I would say so. Uh, you know, you have it legal now in, are we six states? Might be wrong on that. We're Washington State, Colorado. You have California, Nevada. I thought there was one or two more. Um, of course, with Jeff Sessions deciding they're going to really go after this again, even though in most states' attitude is, look, you know, this has been settled. Either it's legalized marijuana or it's recreational. Leave us alone. Let us figure this out themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, that's not being well received. So I, I think for some voters who, who want the laws as they are now, which means people have a right uh, to, to go ahead and buy this stuff and smoke it in the privacy of, of their homes. Um, you know, I bet that could turn into something that motivates a lot more people to go out to the polls. If nothing else, just to sort of be as a mandate to Republicans and to people like Sessions that, look, this has been settled. Move on. So I, I, I would not be surprised if that does become more of a wedge issue. I, I think personally for me, a Immigration and, and the status of DACA, especially if Trump decides to try and really scrap it, right? And and you know, therefore putting eight hundred thousand people's lives in jeopardy, I think that's definitely going to be incentive to get more people uh, and probably a lot of Latinos, uh, you know, as well, out to vote to mm-hmm. to respond to that. Mm-hmm. So those are sort of the two things I see as, as being the biggest. I, I think gang religion and abortion. Those just don't seem to be on the radar this year. Not not that I've observed. I don't know what your feeling is. Yeah, you know, I you know, once the Supreme Court came out and uh, um, you know made the uh, yeah, same sex marriage um, um, ruling, it kind of you know is going to you know perpetually take that off the ballot where it was always on the ballot in the past. Um, Marijuana, I think, and also with DACA, those two things really could play. Um, uh, into the political landscape, I think, come when people have to actually place their votes. Because like you said, if there's any movement made on those two things, if, 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 if Sessions decides to crack down on these states and to do, you know, whatever, or the Trump administration, whomever, um, and, 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 and Congress doesn't stand up, um, 
and actually do something on those two things. It will become a referendum on the election. I think it'll 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 get to the point that Democrats wrap themselves on the states can decide. Um, and if you let us, if you know, if you give us Congress, we'll make sure that you know the laws on marijuana are changed. Um, if you give us Congress, we'll make sure that DACA is um, you know firmly planted. Um, and 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 you know, like we had talked about for a long time. There was always this huge, what happened, started to happen when states started to legalize and even do medical marijuana, it became in conflict with federal law, right? And we've talked about this in podcasts in the past. So you end up Mm -hmm. having a situation where they're going to end up having to be resolved um, because it it, it can't operate separately. Um, Eventually, there will be some lawsuits passed or if the federal government, um, you know, really decides to take on this issue, things change. Um, you know, if they all of a sudden have to, you know, have a situation where you're starting to shut down these governments, somebody will file a lawsuit. Eventually, the Supreme Court or Congress will have to remedy the situation. Right. Um, so now that that could play itself out because that's what's being discussed is the, it, it's, the, you know, opinion pieces that came out. As soon as the rumors started to hit about what Sessions was going to do, the, it was, well, then we're going to finally solve it because we're going to take it to the courts. And we know what will end up happening if you take it to the courts and states have approved it in statewide elections. It, they won't turn, overturn those, those, those decisions by the states and it'll say, well, and it just has to be this way. Um, it's, it's, it's almost a foregone legal conclusion that once it starts to get challenged, it's going to go, um, in the, in the way of legalization. Um, you know, so that I think is going to be what plays between now and then in these movements. We know that DACA is, the energy is so strong that there can't just be nothing happening between now and November or now in October or now in September, really when, you know, voting might start in certain places. There's going to right. be movement on these two things. And they are, like you said, I, I, I completely agree with you. And I think Democrats will accelerate these things because they want them to be these issues. And, 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 and rightly so. I think they're, um, you know, it's good to put yourself behind issues that finally need to be resolved. And, um, and, you know, there's not a better reason to have an election. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I, I think, uh, you know, unless something major develops between now and, and then uh, that we haven't discussed, which, and, and I, I can't see that being the case. Obviously each state has its own issues. For example, in Michigan, there's of course the disaster with Flint and its water supply along with austerity. Uh, Nevada has different issues, California, blah, blah, blah. So those things will matter, but I think there are some national themes going on here yeah, that and, will turn out, you know, will direct the vote mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, before we move on to number one, um, uh, I, I also do think the, um, uh, the Me Too, Time's Up movements are going to have an impact on yeah, candidates that point. survive to election. I do think that that's going to be the mud part. It's, it's. I think all gloves are off, all bets are off at this point. It's going to be, it's going to be, uh, the issues are going to be what we talked about, but I think the mud is going to be all about this kind of stuff. Um, and it's going to come from everywhere. Um, and hopefully though, you know, the, you know, we, we didn't have this on our, on our, on our issues because we, um, maybe should have, um, but we can talk about it in number one, but, um, 
it's that's what's going to make it dirty. I think is is really going to be it's it's going to dominate things, but in different ways. It's just going to make it a different kind of election. A lot a lot more people dropping out um, just because there's allegations made. Um, all right, yeah. let, let's let's move on to number one, um, and I'm sure he'll love this if he happens to tune into this podcast. But we're making Donald Trump number one <laughs> um, because he is the number one biggest factor in everything we've talked about. Uh, the motivation, um, you know, the movement, um, the energy that's coming through, um, I think is all going to be you know based upon that, um, and. Uh, I think he's going to factor in everything. He's going to impact DACA. He's going to imp- Im- impact marijuana. He's going to impact how you can align yourself and, and who people see you as. They're going to ask you, do you believe in Trump if you're a Republican? Assume Democrats say no. Um, but uh, Trump is going to be the number one factor for me. Yeah, I, I agree. As, as I said earlier, I, there's just the growing sentiment that somebody needs to rein this guy in. Uh, no matter how much his doctor goes on the air and says he's in perfect health and weighs 239 pounds and is, <laughs> uh, you know, completely mentally stable, which I'm sorry, we've seen enough examples where there's something off about this man, uh, to say the least. Um, and, and of course, his, uh, not to, you know, to revisit this too much, his crap house comment hasn't done him any favors. Uh, it, this also plays into the immigration issue. Um, and just, uh, I mean, so many other flagrant abuses that this guy has involved himself in. I, I just think there's a growing sentiment that Trump needs to be reined in, and the Republicans are not going to do it because, A, they're scared to death of their base in the primaries, and, B, uh, all they care about is what he signs, no matter how unpopular it may be with most of the American voting populace. Uh, so they're, they're not going to do the right thing here. So the, the growing sentiment is that for voters, I think, is that somebody needs to come in, and that means giving the Democrats the reins back. Uh, does that mean they're necessarily going to follow everything through and, and perfectly? I, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, it, it makes me uneasy with them. But that's, I just think Trump is a major factor in, in a way we haven't seen in a presidential, well, in a midterm election in some time. Oh, he, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, what, what actually become, you know, comes of it. Um, I agree that I don't think there's any way to really kind of stop it. And like we, we haven't even talked about, um, you know, the role, I guess, um, I think if you talk about the impact that Trump's going to play, you're also talking about the impact that Robert Mueller is going to end up playing, um, and any of these congressional, um, um, you know, deals, um, you know, we talked about marijuana, maybe being a wedge driving issue and saying we're, we're, we're on top of this. It could also be Mueller releasing a report, um, somewhere in the summer, um, or early fall that says that, that a lot of people say, well, he should be impeached and it becomes a literal referendum on Donald Trump, um, because the Republicans don't make any movement to do it. And they know that if they change parties, they will. Um, you know, I, I, and you know, in absence of him resigning, he is, you know, it's and it's it's impossible to determine what the end result is going to be and how crazy um, the next um, eight to ten months are going to be. Yeah, I, I I think especially if Mueller comes out with a report that is really damaging. To Trump, uh, and it's it's just it's going to be more more fuel for the fire. Of course, we know Steve Bannon is testifying today. Uh, there could be many more indictments to come from this. Again, it, it's this is not going away. Sorry, Republicans, this this investigation is isn't going anywhere. And 
even though Republicans in Congress are doing their damnedest to try to shut it down, it doesn't seem like that's going according to their plans either. So this is going to dog burn throughout this year. And uh, I, I think it's definitely, again, an incentive for people to come out and vote to make sure that he is held accountable, especially if Mueller, especially if Mueller finds legitimate wrongdoing. And we know that, uh, I think we heard today that he's going, that um, uh, Mr. Mueller is going to be interviewing Steve Bannon, I guess they, Correct. they've, they've uh, right. made that announcement. I, I think that's, I, yeah, he, that's right. I mean, it, Bannon will go before him and that, that could complicate things uh, a lot more. So, you know, this is, you know, again, this is why Trump's approval ratings, even with a very good economy, even with other factors, still remain in the toilet. Most Americans don't like this guy. They're not willing to accept him as a legitimate president. They'll tolerate him, but then they're also going to respond by voting Republicans out. Not every voter, obviously, but I think a good percentage are because they want they want some accountability here. So um, it took, um, uh, what, two months for Bannon to um, be told or to be described by Trump as, you know, sloppy Steve, where before that he was a... You know, two months prior, he was a, you know, nearly a political genius. Um, it's, you know, uh, you know, just kind of mind boggling that, you know, somebody at some point doesn't say even amongst Trump's supporters that you don't say, you know, you were praising this guy. How come you didn't know what he what kind of person he was if you were going to rip him? He was the guy that, you know, was your chief policy guy. Um you know, how can you, you know, usually you just, you know, most people who leave the White House, it's, oh, he went on to go become a professor at blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you know, even if there's even if there's a confrontation between the executive and that person, you don't really hear about it, at least anytime soon. And this is this is, um, you know, again, I hate to say it, but it's like the apprentice in real life. And uh, it's 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 sad. Uh, the, you know, one thing I want to throw out to you before I forget Maybe um, um, our president got weighed on Venus. Maybe there's some sort of because I guess you you weigh ninety percent of your um, Earth weight on Venus. So maybe uh, yeah. so maybe that's how they I, got to two thirty. You know, I know Ronnie Jackson was Barack Obama's <laughs> position. I I don't want to malign the man. Although I was listening to some of his press conference, just seems like he went a little bit overboard with his description of just how healthy Trump is. It, it, the whole thing seemed very odd. Again, we're never really knowing, going to know the truth. Um, although it's, I, I will say this flat out. I do not believe for one moment that Trump weighs just 239 pounds. No. Um, but again, this is an administration that lies constantly, a president who lies constantly, and no doubt puts pressure on people outside of, of, of their circle to lie constantly. So I, you know, I don't, I don't honestly think that today's uh, verdict from the doctor is is going to, uh, is going to uh, end suspicions about how mentally and physically unfit Trump is. Yeah, and uh, you know, I guess if uh, you know, calling other co- you know countries a shithole, if that's not really what he uh, right. said. I mean, again, if this, that's is, not enough. this is a man who, by all accounts, should have approval ratings over fifty percent, but because of who and what he is. That's not happening. And his supporters really might honestly decide, you know, ask themselves why that is. But, you know, that that's up to them. Well, Karen, again, uh, thank for thank you for this discussion. You're always teaching me something new. And um, well, thank you. And thank you, listeners. And sorry if I screwed up anything. Oh, you know, My hey, 
we're all allowed our foibles, especially when we're doing these live on tape. Um, did I just <laughs> show <live>. my age? <laughs> live on digital. Um, That's right. But, uh, of course, we'll be following this and much more over the year. And then um, we'll, you know, we'll be, uh, you know, covering all the developments as they happen. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you again, Karen. And we'll talk to you you all next time. Thank you so much.